Hello, welcome back. I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast with any sort of consistency, you'll see there's been little in the way of regularity in the last month. That's because I've been doing some cool stuff over on the Patreon. I'll plug that later. Um, but yeah, basically, I haven't been getting around to it on here, but I've stuff going on and I've been doing Patreon stuff and I'm working on the Guide to Pride. Uh, more on that later. So this episode, you know, for anyone new... And for anyone returning, these reminding because it's been so damn long. Do a bit of news, do a bit of uh, hypotheticals and a bit of analysis. So let's just do all of that on this episode, shall we? Um, things I've missed, notable things that I've missed, and notable things that I actually want to talk about. First one being that Tenshin Nascawa, kickboxing superstar, is turning pro. Turning pro in boxing. He's passed his uh, Japanese license. You have to do a kind of supervised spa usually against a fellow pro um to sort of show that you've got it they're like that in japan and of course he passed with flying colors so his first opponent is a 12 4 and 1 that's 12 wins with eight knockouts four losses stopped once and one draw bantamweight called uh, yuki yanaha and i checked a bit of yanaha out to see uh how good he was and yeah a really good debut opponent i say good in the sense that He's going to make tension look good, but also very experienced. Fought a couple of fighters um, that I've actually recognised. And, uh, you know, the fight I watched of his was against uh, Kenta Sakata, I believe. And watched him because it was a uh, uh, southpaw. And, uh, yeah, thought, um, you know, a lot to like. And uh, I thought that, you know, he's not too great. A little bit slow. Um... I don't think he'll give attention too much to think about. Did get his reads down eventually. Tried a number of different things to open up a quite basic southpaw. Tried to catch him uh, exiting. Uh, tried to walk him into right hands. Tried to j- j- drop his hands to draw leads. Did whatever he could against a pretty basic and not too scary southpaw. So even given the experience, the, the sort of... The, the gap in experience in a boxing sense, given Tenshin's huge amount of pro kickboxing bouts. Uh, for anyone that isn't aware, of course, there's a long tradition of uh, Muay Thai stylists in Japan turning pro um, with little to no amateur boxing experience. And, and the fact that they fought so many pro bouts and essentially stand-up striking rules is really, really beneficial. So I think that's going to be the same for Tenshin Nasukawa. I think he's probably going to blow Yanara away in a round or two. Um... There's a certain level of sharpness that Tension's got that people just don't have. Really gifted in that regard. And yeah, Yanaha, despite some of the things he was doing, I quite enjoyed, you know, and hit see him going through the gears, trying to figure this guy out. Yeah, he's a good, honest pro. Uh, only a relatively uh, young lad, although he has been, I think he's 32, young compared to me. Pro now for a decade. I don't think he's fought for the domestic title, but I might be wrong. But the fact of the matter is... One thing this fight tells us is that Tension Nascawa is going to turn pro at bantamweight. That means a couple of things. A, you know, that shows that he was never really cutting weight at, in kickboxing. Also demonstrates, given the fact he fought uh, Takaru, who's like a you know 126, 130 pound guy and a bigger guy, that, that kind of puts that win uh, into even more of a positive light. Tension is a much naturally smaller guy. Kind of the equivalent of, say, thinking of another southpaw, Guillermo Rigondeau often fought at super bantamweight. For example, his best win was against Nonito Donaire, who fought up to... Did he fight? Definitely fought 126. Did he fight 130? Definitely fought 126. He was always big for the weight. 
Rigon Dow probably, if he cut weight, could have made fly weight quite easily, just as he did in the amateurs. So tension final one one eight is really interesting. Yonaha is a really interesting debut opponent, experienced kind of debut. You don't put someone in who hasn't got over a hundred combined amateur and uh, professional bouts. So tension, I think, you know, based on the stylistic matchup, he's going to blow this guy away, or at least he's going to look really good. It's just a different level of uh, sharpness and athleticism that he's got, and don't expect that to change now. It's boxing only. As I say, this guy, Yuki Yonaha, took a little while to figure out a guy who I didn't find particularly uh, impressive as a southpaw. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be walking into a guy who's just going just be able to blitz him. So I thought Yonaha, as the rounds went on, sort of trying the shoulder roll and stuff like that. Looks good. Like it. Not really going to matter against someone as gifted as tension. I think we'll have a pretty seamless transition to the paid uh, boxing ranks. Let's stick with boxing as one half of the Combat Chronicles 2022 fight of the year was in another absolute banger. Sitting back there, basically waiting to get hit. Good work from Lee Wood though. Well timed, but... Simultaneously landing left hooks and downward goes. The danger, very much still there. Dying seconds of the seventh round. Can Lara finish it here now? Barely ten seconds to go. And the towel comes in from Ben Davison to the protest of Lee Wood. But Ben Davison has decided that Lee Wood is in no fit state to continue and still he's on unsteady legs in the corner. And a sensational turnaround from Mauricio Lara. Dangerous to the end. Dangerous to the end indeed. Lee Wood banged out in seven by Mauricio Lara. So, really good fight from start to finish. Both guys having their moments. Love how it played out. Lee Wood, he is fragile. We've seen that in a couple of fights now. If you guys haven't listened to the awards show or the episode I did on Lee Wood versus Michael Condon when it first happened, be sure to check those out. Just check the fight out. Fuck what I've got to say about it. Just uh, go and watch the fight. It speaks for itself. But uh, Lara, known over on these shores for battering uh, Josh Warrington and Lee Wood, obviously known for that Condon fight and just put together a good little career working his way from domestic to European level to world level. And, uh, you know, he, he acquitted himself well in this fight. And I see him, you know, he's constantly fighting with that front hand with the left hand, trying to set up his attacks. I loved what he did in this fight. And I loved this sequence in the fourth round where he's given the left hand and then throwing the one-two behind it. Then he does it again. Hesitation, boom, brings the left hook over. So it's that change in tempo. It's the change in rhythm. It's the change in the shot selection that sets Lara up. And then in the knockout sequence that you've just heard a clip from, he goes to hesitate again. Lara, just a level above, recognises it, gets there first, never left hook with a left hooker, and just fucking wipes Leewood straight out. So it looks to me at least, and pretty sure my read is correct, that Lara picked up on that pattern of Wood, changing it up, hesitating. So instead of throwing the right hand behind the left hook, behind the, uh, behind the jab, hesitates, and then brings the left hook over. Lara's read it that time and got there before him. And, you know, he's just fastened him, just that little bit of extra class and banged them out. And in terms of the stoppage, well on board with it. Better to be too early or too late. Ben Davison knows his fighter. Got a bit of shit afterwards, um, mainly from idiots, but also from Tony Bellew, Carl Froch. Oh, yeah, as I say, mainly idiots. Who just got this kind of mentality of, oh, you just you should die out there. 
I remember when Tony Bailey used to die out there when he fucking shit himself in fights and fight in a really ponderous uh, fashion. You know, Daylewa got banged out. His leg, he was still unsteady. He was unsteady for minutes after the knockdown. He was he was out on his feet. Ben Davison, not his biggest fan, but clearly made the right decision. Sorry for his team because I've got a mate who's in that team, uh, Lee Wiley. I like Lee Wood, as I say. He's really impressed me over the years with his improvement. Dangerous fighter. He's just not got the greatest chin. He's got a bit of... um. He was a bit of Dave McCauley, old flyweight. Um, he's old now. He was a flyweight from back in the day, uh, Northern Irish, and uh, just in some pretty much every fight he had seemed to be a sort of up and down war. Had some quality about him. Could bang for the weight, but yeah, just you know, Woody just seems a bit fragile. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not resilient because he is resilient. Proved that in the Conan fight. Came through some tough moments early in this Lara fight, um, but yeah, just got you know hit too often and. Uh, when you're doing that, it's, it's, it's close in terms of the margins. You know, if you're going to be, he's quite sort of defensively porous, uh, Wood. But again, I like some of the things he was doing. Some really nice work with, um, you know, offering that sort of that lead hand, that jet, that sort of a faint heavy lead hand to draw out the lead from Lara, and then step back and try and walk with the right hand. Little things like that, class. You know, he's a legitimately good boxer puncher. Just lacks a little bit in terms of durability and whatnot, and that's going to stop him from being a truly elite fighter. But um, yeah, man, he could be in some great fights and some fun fights. Wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with Lara, but Josh Warrington's calling for it after the fight. Lara spat at him at ringside. Josh Warrington is in no way deserving of a fight with Lara. Lee Wood should fight Josh Warrington. That's the one to make. Let's see that one. Be an absolute banger. And, uh, yeah, I think um, that would be a big domestic one. They're both on the uh, zone. Uh, you know, it's uh, probably doing Leeds, to be honest with you. I reckon Lee Wood bangs Josh Warrington out, to be honest with you. Um, but Lara, you know, having Kyver and fight domestic people for a little while because a fight between Lara and, say, the winner of Inouye and, and Stephen Fulton, that's a big one. That's what I'd like to see. In terms of Lara, he's got some class about him. I think I feel like... Um, Again, I'm showing my age here, but if they sort of um, add him... These fights have been on the Sky, the Warrington fights and the Lee Wood. I think the first one was on Sky. Was it DAZN as well? I think Warrington had just signed with Eddie Earn. Um, and I think it was on... I think it was on DAZN. I can't remember now, but... I feel like if these fights had been on Sky, there'd be a bit of a... Have a bit of a sort of a cult status going on. I don't feel like this fight was like even as big as like Injin Chi versus Michael Brody. Um, you know, let alone like when Manuel Medina used to come over here, or Michael Katsidis on ITV, you know, these guys built a name for themselves, and Lara deserves to be a bit of a bigger name, so, don't really feel, didn't have anyone asking me about this fight all week, the one they were all asking me about, was Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, not actually going to spend a lot of time on this, because, you know, in terms of fight, wasn't that interesting, just kind of touching on things that I've already spoken before about Jake Paul, I did think he was going to uh, probably land enough big shots to beat Tommy Fury. I was not sold on Tommy Fury as an operator before this. I'm still not really. I think Jake Paul's pretty good. I think Tommy Tommy Fury's fine. Um, you know, Tommy Fury won in terms of round scoring pretty clearly, in my opinion. Um, Jake Paul had him stumbling, sort of timed him with a nice jab late. Um, you know, Jake was wild and sloppy. I think I said in the preview for the Jake Paul Anderson Silver fight when I uh, spoke to Rob Tebbett of ID Boxing. Check their content out if you're not already. Just Absolutely brilliant industry leading stuff, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I said then that you can, you know, occupy Jake, force him back. He does rely on his timing. He's kind of like got the style of, and hear me out, uh, Deontay Wilder, where he needs to land big shots. 
Um, you know, Wilder will give away rounds. He knows his timing is just otherworldly. It's power, his speed, etc., etc. Jake Paul doesn't have those things. He's got pretty good timing, decent power. He's good for what he does, but time ran out for him in this one, and he was. Tommy was able to bamboozle him at the time, able to push him back, able to occupy him, able to um, sort of put a little spell on him here and there. He's not brilliant, Tommy Fury. He's able to tie Jake Paul up as well, which is, you know, something the Furies are always being good at, even at their worst. <coughs> Huey, um, you know, did things well. So, won well in my opinion. I'm sure they'll do a rematch. Um, Jake Paul going to PFL. Fuck it, give him four ounce gloves. Give him fable matchups. Let me see him bang people out. He's fun to watch. In this one, he just, you know, didn't quite have the craft to consistently land on Tommy Fury. Like, he needs to. He needs to have those big moments. He needs to be able to leverage uh, his power and his sort of raw athleticism. Just wasn't good enough here. So, there's not really much to say about it other than that. Tommy Fury, definitely better than I gave him credit for. Um, but, yeah, you know, really, this is the kind of level these guys are at. Don't really see much more from other than that. And uh, these guys can continue to leverage their own talent, name, you know, skills, whatever. Um, their fame. To make a payday, that's fine. I've seen a particularly well-known ring scribe today saying anyone who pays for it's an idiot. If people like it, you know, more than likely people paying for this aren't your average boxing fan. Sort of, you know, then there's not. They're not part of that contingent. There will be people. There will be crossover. Absolutely. Um, the fact of the matter is, you know, they also don't give a fuck about Badu Jack versus Makabu. You know what I mean? Macabre, um, unfortunately, is, is completely shot. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. They don't necessarily give a fuck about that. They don't necessarily give a fuck about Lee Wood versus Mauricio Lara. But, you know, at the same time, as I said a minute ago, if you had Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood on normal terrestrial TV, maybe more people would give a fuck. So, yeah, the TikTok generation ain't necessarily going to be uh, your mainstream boxing fans. And, uh, yeah, your mainstream boxing fans ain't necessarily going to want to watch. Uh, Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. I mean, I remember when Bob Mortimer boxed fucking... Who did he box? Les Dennis and Ricky Gervais boxed Grant Bovey. Celebrity boxing has always been somewhat popular, you know. So, this... I, and, and now it's actually good. And it is a much higher standard. So, what are we fucking moaning about? Ring Magazine, you're completely irrelevant. Now it's like old man shouts at cloud, you know what I mean? The Ring magazine needs to give a fuck up making themselves relevant. And what it will need to do is get some writers that aren't complete fucking horse shit. That's not me saying employ me. I won't fucking write for them. Publication shit wouldn't be seen dead in that shit rag. Over to one championship now. Only a little quick thing. Uh, the Tamil Chai stoppage of uh, Yusupov, the leg kick uh, TKO. Don't really see that at high level Muay Thai. Probably wouldn't see it if Tamil Chai was fighting another tie. There's my bias showing there. You will see that in the uh, finish of the year category next year's, at the end of this year's awards, I can guarantee you that. Um, as for Andrade versus uh, John Lucas 2, um, I know my good mate and former colleague uh, Ryan Wagner is a big fan of this kid, Fabricio Andrade. I've only watched his two fights with John Lineker. He's obviously quality. Uh, maybe I'll get Ryan on for a Patreon pod or something, a little 15-minute discussion about the kid because, um, yeah, he's clearly really good and one might have actually found a legitimately fucking shit-hot uh, prospect there. So, yeah, good stuff. Really, really good stuff indeed. Uh, Lineker's you know, passed it, but clearly been he's clearly always been tough as old boots, and he's a dangerous fighter. So, yeah, good one. Well worth checking out that. it's on. I think it's on the uh, One Championship YouTube page. So, yeah, definitely check that one out. On the UFC front, not a huge amount to talk about. We had the dreaded uh, lightweight 
main event cancelled anyway, but uh, I always say I'm not going to talk about women's flyweight even when it's a title fight, but Aaron Blanchfield does look quite decent as a prospect. Still, you know, getting roughed up by Jessica and Judge on the inside, you know, just to be expected, but there were certain shots, like, you just tell, like, not there in terms of defensive reaction, but a 23-year-old, actually half-decent-looking flyweight prospect, good to see. Obviously, you know, Shevchenko's just about to defend the title, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that Blanchfield versus Shevchenko might actually be the rare, interesting fight at women's flyweight, so I look forward to that one. More coverage of her in time, not quite there yet, but impressive win, um, lovely inside trip takedown, loved it, and, uh, yeah, pretty good stuff. I know still uh, relatively late notice for Jessica and Judge to take that fight, but, you know, she is a very reliable competitor and operator and you know clearly dangerous and Blanchfield just cut through her pretty easily and you know as much as I say oh yeah a bit defensively porous the fact she managed to come through that relatively unscathed that's testament to how good she is so yeah I can't moan that women's flyweight's always shit and has no talent now it has some talent not uh, at least acknowledge it so yeah good good to see and uh yeah maybe might actually cover a Shevchenko fight probably not the title fight mind you Bellator 291, Yaroslav Amosov absolutely dominated Logan Storley. I like Storley. Um, first fight was more competitive with this, but you know when you're a sort of wrestle boxer and you can't get any takedowns and you don't hit particularly hard, you're not all that great, are you? So Amosov really just painted a bit of masterpiece on the feet, you know, chopping the lead leg. When Storley down to go southpaw to negate that, the uh, the sort of uh, rear body kick was there. Um, you know, basically anything Amazon wanted to do, he could just maintain a distance range, pepper him with shots, not overcommitting as not to walk into any silly takedowns or anything. And just, yeah, for me, just pretty much won every round. Really good stuff. Obviously, whenever there's a Bellator title fight afterwards, it's these guys could beat the UFC's best. Amazon's good. Um, don't really think he'd win a even a striking battle with someone like Leon Edwards, who, as anyone who knows who listens to this podcast, I've got my opinions on Leon. I think he's quite flaky, but I wouldn't really see Amosov winning that. wouldn't see him beating Kamaru Usman. Come on, guys. There's the whole thing with the, the John Eblen thing, which is like, oh, yeah, he could beat Alex Pereira, and he could win the title. So, yeah, sure, but if he had to fight Robert Whitaker first in a one-contenders fight, he fucking wouldn't beat him, would he? He wouldn't get nowhere near the title. So we always think about just matching up the champs, which I, I get. Uh, to an extent, but, you know, let, let's actually think about him against the field, shall we? Amosov's really good. like to see him eventually transition over to the UFC, but if not, you know, I'm glad to see that Bellator are, you know, actually having some champions that are interesting. And, you know, as I've said in other episodes of this podcast, their bantamweight and lightweight Grand Prix are probably two of the things I'm most looking forward to in all of MMA this year. So, yeah, I like Bellator, I like Prolet putting on. Hope they can. There's been talks about them being sold by Viacom and all that sort of stuff, but hope that's not the case. They, they do good stuff, and there's some good guys working over there, some good fighters over there, and they're always getting compared to UFC. Can we just you know, try and do your thing and do your thing well? You know, um, they're kind of doing like Dublin cards, I think, because Dublin was like, yeah, we'll, we'll have MMA, we'll go and watch it. And it seems to be quite small venues, it's, you know. Decent atmosphere, but I'd like to see Bellator just sort of do better at what they do and uh, stop worrying about always comparing their guys. What What's the example? As soon as he won, the best well weight in the world. I get it. It's your champion. You want to push him, but you just look like you know a bit desperate when you do stuff like that. Just be happy with the really good performance 
uh, yeah, Amosov, good stuff. Look forward to seeing him again, obviously. He's been darn good for a while now, and obviously with the war in Ukraine and whatnot, we haven't seen him as much as we'd like to. Glad he got out. Glad he really did put Logan Stawley in the rearview mirror. But as I say, as for Stawley, knows what he's got to work on. Obviously got that wrestling pedigree, and still look forward to seeing him again. Doesn't always, you know... Light the world on fire, but he's a good, good, solid fighter, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Going to take a break, and then I'm going to look at John Jones versus Cyril Garn. Pretty hard fight to analyse, to be honest with you, because it's just a bit of a mess, ain't it? After this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, UFC 285 this weekend. Bit of a mixed bag, as... I alluded to earlier, not particularly interested in uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. If you are, you're weird. Uh, Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov is really fucking interesting. Jeff Neal coming off that, you know, probably career best uh, performance against Luke and, and, and Shavkat, as I've said many a times in this podcast before, and everyone else is saying, one of like the three most interesting fighters at 170. Uh, Matush Gamrot stepping in at late notice fight Jalen Turner. That should be interesting. Should show us a lot. You know, might be a bit of a wake-up call for Jalen Turner, or it might be a complete see you later for Matush Gamrot in terms of his prospects of ever being a top-notch uh, 155-pounder. Got a bone nickel making his UFC debut as well, so it should be good stuff. Couple of car crash style fights on the undercard. Cody Garbrandt always in car crashes against uh, Trevin Jones and Derek Brunson versus Drickus Duplessis. So that should be a complete fucking mess. Love it. But the only fight you really want to hear me talk about, which I think has got potential to be a complete mess, is the heavyweight bout between John Jones and Cyril Garn. Yes, for the vacant UFC heavyweight title. Gonna talk about loads when it comes to this fight. This is just fucking all over the shop. I have no solid reads whatsoever because it's all about unknowns. It's all about unknowns. You could be someone like Dan Tom, who's the most meticulous analyst out there, and you could do all your research and it could be for, for nothing. Because we have no clue. No clue how this fight's gonna play out. Not in just in a stylistic sense, but we have no idea what we're getting for John Jones. We really still don't know who Cyril Garn is. We don't know how John Jones is going to look physically, yada, yada, yada. So, let's try and figure this out, shall we? And, spoiler alert, we're not going to figure anything out whatsoever. We're going to talk about all sorts of shit, go off on loads of tangents, because this fight is just about as intriguing as it gets in MMA, especially this weekend. Um, good card, but trust me, we could talk all day about, you know, yeah, John Jones isn't the GOAT, John Jones doesn't look good for that while. John Jones is one of the most important and great fighters in, in mixed martial arts history. Regardless of the revisionist history, which a lot of it is valid, in my opinion. Very much someone who used to think John Jones was, was the GOAT. There was a time, and I'm not afraid to admit it, that I think John Jones very much is the boat. Yes, the best of all time. There was this time, a very small... Oh, fuck it, I'm doing the John Jones talk. Let's just go into it. John Jones was... He was quick. He was innovative. He was... 
such a great improviser. He was so creative. He was just devastating. He was a quality uh, submission artist. He was a, just deadly on top. Brutal ground and pound. He's always had this cast iron chin. Um, you know, considering some of the stuff he's doing, like the leapfrog over Ryan Bader, might well be the least athlete, uh, the lesser athlete out of his him and his brothers, but still a ridiculous athlete. Yes, there is a little bit, and we really are doing the John Jones conversation now. There is a little bit of yeah, he's styling on not that very good two o fivers, but we've watched two o five for twenty years. And you don't get people as good as him. That's a fact. You've still got to cherish what he was in his prime. As the title defences went on, you know, there was times when he was... He, he did go within himself. He stopped being the dominant grappler. You know, he used to fucking chuck people about suplexing. That. It was just breathtaking stuff. It really was. And yeah, you know, I said, nah, he still won't beat Shogun. Shogun might be past it, but late notice. He's still a kid. He's not experienced enough. Rinsed him. DC, he's a guy's an actual heavyweight. He's got the wrestling chops. He's got the power. Just rinsed him. You know, Jones has fell into the method of being like quite a shit kickboxer over the years, but still sort of hasn't really. No one's really emphatically beaten him. And if you want to check out on the Patreon, www.patreon.com/slash/combatchronicles, I told you to find a way to work that in. I did do a right robbery on the uh, Reyes Jones fighting. He looked awful in it. And that's why we come to John Jones today, now. Not the fight I just waxed lyrical about. And thus we come to this John Jones riddle, this John Jones conundrum, which is, you know, if he's anywhere smart enough to be able to do... No, I can't even say smart enough. Just fucking scale back. The guy looks washed. He's looked washed in his last couple of fights. Probably the last time he didn't was against Gus, and Gus was even more washed. It's nearly six, is it, is it nearly, or is it already, I'm not going to check, is it already six years since the second Cormier fight? You know, we're talking fucking eight years since the first Cormier fight, aren't we? You don't just go on being fucking amazing. The guy's not Floyd Mayweather, you don't just go on, he doesn't preserve his body in that way. He hasn't lived a life that way. He hasn't got that sort of style. You know, he's basically, you know, John Jones' defence for a while has been sort of oblique kicking you so you don't get anywhere near him and he's sort of long-armed, sort of, you know, covering up. It's just the way he does. It's got a mummy sort of style. Not very reflexively good. Doesn't take a lot of damage. That's absolutely true. Knows how to take the edge off shots. But, you know, doesn't live the life. He's not a genius defence defensive fighter or anything. Now he's moving out to heavyweight. He doesn't wrestle anymore. He doesn't grapple anymore. He doesn't do what he's good at. And the wild thing is, he's fighting a guy who he could easily outgrapple. A guy who, I know, Francis Ngannou is a superhuman in terms of strength and sort of athleticism for his size, but he's not the technician John Jones is in any sort of phase of grappling. He hasn't got that sort of now, he hasn't got that experience. John Jones should carve through Cyril Gunn like butter. But we don't know what John Jones is going to be like. He hasn't fought for three years. Is he going to be liberated from the weight cut and somewhat spurned on by this new opportunity? Or is he, as I suspect, based on his last couple of fights, the whole notion that, hey, he's just bored. No, no, no. I saw him trying to get Dominic Reyes down and he couldn't. Isn't he just going to knee tap gun and get him down and piss it in, in 30 seconds? Surely. Is the extra bulk, as I say, is the lack of weight cut going to liberate him? Training with Henry Cejudo, is that going to help? 
I, I just don't know. I can't say. The idea that John Jones is going to be the old John Jones, that's definitely not going to happen. But is he going to be able to do what he needs to be able to do in order to win this fight relatively easy? Or is he going to try and have, essentially, a bad kickboxing match, which he has done many times before? And certainly in his recent fights, and I say recent, three years ago was his most recent fight. Good In terms of good form, we're talking, you know, five years. We're talking five years. We, this is like you know, Packy McFarlane coming against, come back against Mike Gibbons. This is like Sugar Ray Leonard coming back against Marvin Hagler. This is like Tyson Fury coming back finally after you know the years out after the Klitschko and sort of weaning his way back in after losing all that weight. But those guys are all coming back after looking. Well, not quite in Leonard's case because he had the sort of the the sort of shoddy performance against Howard, but still coming back. And he obviously had the injury and whatnot, but. They none of those those guys are coming back looking like washed fighters, you know. Regardless of Fury's physical condition, he wasn't coming back from looking like a shot fighter. We were just like, mm, can he get anywhere near that form? We've actually got evidence of John Jones looking awful. Cyril Gunn, you know, not a big fan of his. He's definitely got some interesting traits. Definitely got some skill. He's still a developing fighter. The experience is going to be massive in terms of like genuine experience. Uh, the the sort of uh, dearth between them is huge, you know, massive gap. Jones more experienced in an MMA sense and a in just a training sense, but if he can't get him down, and he's going to try and have a poor kickboxing bout with a sharper, ambidextrous, larger, quicker, more prime striker. It's going to be quite bad for John Jones. This idea that his durability is just going to carry on I don't see it I don't see it he's got to be sharp he's got to be sharp if he's not if his reactions aren't as good as they used to be as I said they weren't always great he's good at taking the edge off things good at trying to sort of just sort of keep the distance between him and his opponents not a uh, not something he's going to be able to do a luxury he's going to have at heavyweight I don't even need to rate Cyril Garn that highly to think that he could beat John Jones in first gear because he could he could he gets his jab going and is able to defend uh, Jones's low kicks, which he should be able to. We've seen him do it before. Um, as weird and sort of off-rhythm as John Jones can be. Don't really see what John Jones can do because even given that Garn looks to be pretty poor as a defensive grappler, haven't seen anything from John Jones in years that suggests that he's just going to go back to be able to do what he needs to do offensively. I really mean that. Sort of, you know, just sort of reach out, try and chase you down, grab a body lock, you know. Where's all the great trips? Where's the throws? Where's the the level changes that you used to, to have in order to wrestle and catch you off guard? It's a fantastic timing. It's so good in that regard. Just now sort of walks you down and hopes to grab hold of you as you slip out the back door and he looks tired. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't see it at all. You know, Garn somewhat flaky himself, in my opinion. I do believe that. It might not just be because Francis Garner was so scary that his output was low and he looked quite clueless and he just looked somewhat tepid. Um, it might well be. It might well be. He's like, Jones can't crack. I'm not fucking bothered about him. Um, should be. He can't go overzealous. You want Jones to turn you into a fucking spinning back elbow. I can't remember last time he pulled one of them out of his ass. But, uh, you know, you've got to be somewhat, you know, four-ounce gloves. He's 
is a spiky, sharp kind of guy, John Jones. You don't really get walked on or anything. But, you know, really, could just fucking batter John Jones. I'm not scared of this guy. I'm a fucking tank compared to this guy. But he's somewhat flaky. Still a guy who got fucking badly hurt by a tie to Avassa. I don't know if Avassa's nothing like John Jones and whatnot. But if you're that, if you're level, if you really are fucking elite everywhere, you wouldn't be having a, a battle like that, would you? You know, I love the way he responded. I think I covered it in this podcast. Don't get me wrong. I really am nitpicking here. But I don't think Garn's so reliable. That's all I'm saying. Just seen a lot. He's not um, particularly for a murderous row. As I say, he's not that experienced. Fair play to him. He's sort of had a bit of a meteoric rise. Definitely a lot to like. But uh, if it was in Ganu, I would just go, John, what? I am not worried about in Ganu fighting Jones. He'd fucking bop him. He's strong. Jones would be probably shit himself against him. And Ganu would be able to do enough. Uh, in terms of just pure strength defence grappling, to be able to fucking bang Jones out. But Garn, I could see Jones fucking grabbing hold of him, getting him down, tire him out quite quickly. Garn's going to be despondent, and Jones, before you know it, has got him on the floor and is smashing him with elbows. That's what I'm seeing in my head, but I don't know what John Jones we're going to get. So I could go around all day like this, but, you know, I know UFC and John Jones freaks will think, you know, Nganu didn't really beat Garn anyway. Garn should already be the champ. Now John Jones is the real champ. And I think I probably advocated for Nganu Garn being the most like just robbery ever. I hate shit like that usually. I think I was on heavy hands. I was like, you know, Garn didn't really deserve to win. You know, and it was a kind of fight where the fuck all's happening. So you're like scoring like, well, Nganu took him down, but he's quite strong and it looked impactful. Like it was that kind of fight. Couldn't really give a fuck. You know, Nganu is the rightful champ, in my opinion. Even though you could argue for Gunn based on robbery. Or kind of. Not robbery, but could kind of go for that. What I like to call uh, lineal robbery. Which is, you know, the, the lineage is essentially passed due to the fact we've had a bad decision. Um, obvious example. Oscar De La Hoya should have been unified champion after beating Felix Trinidad. So we give him credit for that. If Ganu never fights again, then you could kind of say, well, Garn's the second best heavyweight or whatever. You know, and he's fighting the light heavyweight champ. That's how we crowned a new true champ if Ganu doesn't ever fight an MMA again. But this is just a weird freak show fight. Now, absolutely love freak show fights, and hence why I'm really excited for this one. I am because I have no clue how it's going to look. This fight and the way these guys match up is just not conducive to sound analysis, in my opinion. Um, especially because the phases of the fight that John Jones needs are not really my bread and butter I'm always willing to admit that and I just don't know how the striking battle is going to look I consider these guys Jones is obviously reliable as a fighter in terms of consistency even in those fights I thought he looked awful in he had a way and a knack of making it close and messy and somewhat competitive and a little bit hard to sort of cash driver and score cleanly you know he's still got that sort of veteran savvy about him uh, even though he lacks like veteran skills as a striker, if that makes sense. He's never really improved. He's always been weird, janky, awkward. And as I said, a lot of the things that used to make him so janky and awkward have seemed to have left him in recent times. Again, recent times. You can see what I mean. This fight is a really fucking hard one to pick. So I just think that Garn's less reliable than a guy who hasn't looked, who's looked shit for years and hasn't fought in years. Why am I even saying this? You've, you're listening to me having a fucking like crisis of confidence here, or like a mini breakdown. Um, 
how can I actually expect John Jones to be able to walk Garn down without fucking getting twatted when he ain't fought for years? Am I actually going to say that based on previous history, even given recently bad form, that a potential liberation due to lack of weight cut plus new uh, sort of scenery with Cejudo who's proven himself a fucking worthy coach to be honest with you, am I actually going to pick John Jones based on that? Or am I going to pay, pick John Jones based on the fact that we don't get nice things and Twitter is always really annoying, so a John Jones win is more likely. Um, I think I am. I think I'm going to pick John Jones. I think I'm going to pick John Jones. Fuck it. You know, based on Garn and Garnu, I'm going to pick John Jones on really fucking tepidly bad decision that people sort of moan about all day on Sunday. But just go, fuck it. Outside of the, the John Jones stands, people quickly give up on it. Um, yeah. I picked John Jones to win. An awful kickboxing match where Garner sort of like, due to being worried about taking being taken down, even though John Jones never comes close to it, just doesn't do enough. And John Jones might get him down here or there and just sort of work him for a bit. You know, in the kind of way that Makachev got Volkanovski down to sort of sat out around you know, Jones needs to limit the amount of time he's striking with Garn, um, really, in terms of like the big the big digs he might take. But um you know, what Garn really should do is focus on leg kicks, focus on attacking the body, you know, jab Jones at range, not allow him to establish range, keep hitting him, keep switching stances and hitting him with body kicks, Jones will switch stances, so continue to switch, always try to hit him at the rear side, body kick, tire him out, you know, disengage whenever he comes close and he could pick up the win quite easily, but you know, I just see John Jones sort of bluffing his way through it as he has done recently. And, you know, the fixers in the UFC would probably love for John Jones to win a title. Fuck knows why, but Cyril Garn's less marketable, isn't he? Uh, so, yeah, John Jones, I mean, I ain't got a fucking clue what I'm picking. I ain't got a clue, but don't really know what the fight's going to be like. But as I've decided to sort of have a go at it, I might as well have a go at picking someone, ain't I? What do you think? Hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR. Do you understand my sort of dis- dismay at having to pick a fucking winner in this fight and trying to analyse it? Do you see what I'm talking about? How hard it is when you haven't really got much to go on. It's weird, isn't it? John Jones, you just don't know what you're going to get. So, in an ideal world, John Jones turns up looking awful, gets pasted, and we just draw a line in the sand, like all fighters. He's passed it. So, see you later. Let's move on. With a new champion who's actually you know in great nick, um, got a bit about him and can add a marquee win to his name. You know, Garn can then, you know, sell himself as as the next guy. He can fight, you know, Miocic and whoever else. Fucking, you know, any of these sort of semi up and coming heavyweights, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, let's hope that happens. But if John Jones win and then fights a shot, Stipe Miocic himself, I think we're going to go, look, he's winning the belt and making defensive. This guy's the go. Hey, if he can beat Cyril Garn after three years out and terrible form and in any way not look absolutely terrible, fair play John Jones is a legitimate legacy uh, builder um, because Cyril Garn is still good. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's totally reliable, but he is good. But... If you can see where my confusion has come from in trying to predict this bout, then please hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR and say, there, there, it'll be okay in the end. So you will be hearing from me uh, probably Sunday or early next week um, with my thoughts on this card. 
If you want to hear some of the exclusive stuff, head on over to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. Dropped some pretty cool MMA history content in the last week related to Pride, Pancrase, Hicks and Gracie, that kind of stuff. Guide to Pride 1. We're surging towards the finishing line, guys. We are getting there. So patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles for that stuff. Speak to you soon. Have a good couple of days. Enjoy the card this weekend. Whatever the result, let's hope it's a good one. Peace out.